The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your guest presenter is Danny Gittings. On today's program, we're talking about Hong Kong's first official plan to teach kids about AI. The Education Bureau is recommending schools include 10 to 14 hours of AI lessons into the local junior secondary curriculum over the next three years, starting from the next academic year. This is supposed to help students cultivate computational thinking and to teach them more about innovation and technology. They'll be taught about a wide range of topics from chat GPT to the ethics of AI, as well as its social impact. So is this a good idea? Is 14 hours enough? Or do you think programmes like ChatGBT have no business being taught in schools? After 9.45, we'll look at the dangers of cannabidiol or CBD candies after two girls were hospitalised this week after eating some inadvertently. Let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, or you can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call. The number there, 233-88266. Right, and uh, to kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line Chu Ka Tim, the chairman of the Hong Kong Association for Computer Education and vice principal of Hong Kong True Light College. Also on the line is Professor William Wong, the associate dean of engineering at the Chinese University. He's also the director of the university's Center for Innovation and Technology. Good morning, Mr. Chu. Good morning. And good morning, Professor Wong. Aloha. Hi, thank you. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, So, Mr. Chu, first of all, what do you think of the design and structure of the new AI module? Uh, I think the design and the structures are uh, more enough to cover a wide range of AI concepts, skills and attitude to our junior form students. Because I, um, I go through the the curriculum of the AI modules, it covers the AI basics, uh, the skill set on uh, uh, using the AI and uh, talk about AI ethics and the impact of AI to the society. So I think the cover are quite good enough for our students. All right. I had a look at the uh, the AI uh, module booklet for, for teachers that you're talking about. And uh, there's a bit that talks about how the module um, will provide foundation AI learning content suitable for meeting and learning and the learning needs for uh, junior secondary students. Um, Mr. Chu, mm. c- can you uh, give me an example of what uh, kids that age should know when it comes to AI? Mm, okay. So uh, for junior form secondary student, I think the uh, the key to understand is uh, a- about AI uh, knowledge is to know uh, how AI works, what is the underlying principle in uh, AI, and also how to use some um, simple tools on the internet to uh, to write a uh, AI program or to use AI to uh, uh, recognize visions or images or speech, something like that. And most likely, um, I think uh, we can use the AI curriculum to integrate with our current STEM uh, curriculum so that, uh, for example, in the modules, it also covers robotics. It is a very good um, uh, part that many, many teachers and schools nowadays, they also use robotics with AI 
to do a lot of uh, uh, tasks in uh, Hong Kong. All right, and let's uh, go to Professor Wong. Um, Hello. Professor, hi, uh, Professor Wong. So um, this uh, AI module, it covers a, a lot of uh, different topics and uh, the Education Bureau is recommending that uh, schools include 10 to 14 hours of AI lessons into uh, um, the, the curriculum over three years. Um, do you think uh, 10 to 14 hours is uh, enough to cover such a wide range of topics? I mean, if I understand it correctly, that particular curriculum is more an, an enrichment program. So it's kind of an optional thing. So uh, well, some schools may want it and some schools may not. So uh, I believe in a more comprehensive way. I believe in uh, uh, the, the the idea of AI uh, should be known by uh, all the students because when you look in the future, uh, our world will will have a lot of AI tools, a lot of, uh, and then and our students, we should prepare our students for that. So uh, this is one thing. And the other thing is that uh, I, I, I'm, uh, I think the, the curriculum itself, I look at them, I look at the, the syllabus, uh, uh, it's actually quite good, very good. Uh, and uh, I really hope that uh, when, they, when they are delivered, they can more integrate to, to the school curriculum itself, because uh, different schools Focus uh, may have different foci. Uh, so, for example, a school may be very good in sport. The other school may be very good in design. And then uh, one should think about uh, how to actually use or integrate this uh, AI knowledge uh, into their, their own curriculum. When you're talking about um, teaching in a more comprehensive way, you're presumably you mean uh, across all different subjects. I mean, there's two different ways. This, this 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 module seems to be very much for to be used in STEM or an extension of STEM. Um, when you say more comprehensive way, I'm guessing you're suggesting that uh, it should be part of English lessons, part of Chinese lessons, and so on in, in, across different subjects. Is that right? Yes, yes, cross discipline. Yes, I think. I mean, when you think about um, uh, AI or any any STEM tools. Uh, they are tools. Uh, they are supposed to be, uh, you know, facilitating learning and teaching, and uh, and and trying to use these tools to enhance uh, the 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 kind of the uh, the knowledge or the ability of the students. So uh, that's why I think it is important that it should be cross-discipline and how they can integrate to to the rest of the schools. But there you may run into more difficulty with the teachers, right? I mean, you can understand oh, that exactly, uh, exactly, STEM, STEM teachers I, might be ready to teach AI, but uh, your typical Chinese teacher is not necessarily going to be ready to, to um, bring AI into their lessons. It's true, it's true. So, so I, I do have actually, uh, this is my own idea, of course. I have an idea of uh, 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 maybe uh, we, 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 we actually have a kind of a STEM, uh, I think STEM center somewhere in Lok Fu, uh, it has been running for some time. Uh, so, but why just one? I mean, uh, the idea of having this center is to uh, share resources. So, uh, if we, if, if, if based on your 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 assumption that in the future perhaps we may not have enough teachers, may not have enough resources, then why don't we, you know, uh, have a kind of uh, a shared pool and and in in each of the 18 districts, then we can have uh, uh, one center each uh, to help schools in that area uh, to, 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 to deliver the, the AI program more effectively in that way. 
Chukartim, how about this point that um, AI is not just about technology, it's about about all different subjects. And do do you think um, schools, including yourselves, will not not just using it in STEM STEM classes, but also using it across sort of, um, as I said, English, um, Chinese, geography, history classes, so on? Yes, I think so. I'll take, take ChatGPT. You mentioned about ChatGPT, for example. How often do we hear about using ChatGPT in writing essays? I think, I think for example, uh, comparative literature is a way. I mean, if we write using ChatGPT, yes, you can use it, but at least uh, you can. Uh, the, 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 the teachers should actually tell the students that, oh, if you if you use it in different ways, then you come up with different answers. Then you should be able to compare them and learn from them. I mean, even English or literature can 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 actually uh, learn from it. Can we can use that too uh, for teaching and learning, even for non-scientific subjects. And how about the danger that the more you integrate into classes, the more you encourage students to use it, not just for purposes that they should, but but to to use it as a substitute for doing their own work? How how, how do you balance that? Well, I think I think this 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 comment has been floating around, but this is not really true. I mean, look at what happened. Right at the beginning, in 20 years ago, when we when we launched uh, the internet, uh, we did claim that uh, wow, with the internet, every the student would rely on the internet and and not doing their homework. And look at now, all students use the internet uh, to do to do to do their background research. Uh, I mean, I mean, this is just a tool, and you should the, the teachers should tell the students that it's a tool. You use it to help you to do your homework, but you still have to do the analysis part. But that, I mean, that's the difference, surely, with the internet. You can use it to help you do your homework, and with ChatGPT and AI, you can use it to actually true. do that's your homework. True. That's not true. That's not true. It's just the way that we... It's the perception that people have. When, when we use ChatGPT, what will happen is that you are the one who instructs or prompts the tool to come up with an answer. What if the prompt is wrong? Okay, so to, to come up with the right prompt is one thing. And, and the other thing is that if I were to teach this, I would tell the students to try different prompts. We use different prompts. Then you have different answers. And from the answers, you can do some compar- comparison to, and to learn from it. Why does prompt A give that answer? Why does prompt B give the other? And, then, and what are the differences between the two answers? All right. And uh, I have a message here from a listener, John. Um, he, want, he, he wants to ask uh, one of our um, experts how school kids will be graded in this uh, curriculum. Um, Mr. Chu, maybe? Okay, thank you. Um, for, um, I think uh, the, there's uh, some assessment for AI curriculum. Of course, we have uh, the normal uh, homework or we can say uh, exercise or test assimilation. Mm-hmm. And in the, uh, in the booklets given by the EDB, there are some uh, there are few of uh, assessment uh, exercise for teachers to use. And we are waiting for more and more teaching materials uh, on the Internet. And um, also I would recommend teachers to use practical tasks or mini project, also mini projects, uh, is uh, recommended by the EDB can be u- conducted to our students and throughout the whole process uh, teachers can uh, assess students performance uh, how well they can use the tools uh, can they uh, uh, can they understand the AI principle something like that and then uh, afterward uh, our teachers are very professional they can uh, mark and give grace. 
So will it just uh, be focused on right and wrong answers or will there be uh, more like discussions involved? Yes, it, the teachers talk, is talking about the AI ethics. I think there's no only um, right and wrong answer. Something, somehow there are rooms for uh, teachers and students to discuss about something about um, uh, just like what uh, Professor Wong said, uh, if the stu- students use the AI technology, the AI can give some information. Maybe they are biased, they are true, they are false. How students can uh, verify the sources or how the correctness of the uh, AI answers. It is another issue that uh, the students uh, have to learn about. So at that moment, somehow discussion uh, a question and answer, or even though some surveys can be used to uh, to assess uh, students' learning. You raise a very important point there, don't you, about the issue about fake information. That um, I've, obviously, these systems but, will improve over time, but we we all know at the moment that they they generate <laughs> quite a lot of false answers, don't they? Uh, <laughs> but but I, what, at, at a point in here, I mean, I think the. Uh, I think the EDP should prepare to have a structural change in the, in the fact that uh, they, they, I think maybe because of resource problem, resources problem, uh, they, they do not prefer small classes, especially in secondary schools. But when we come to sort of uh, uh, AI teaching, I think we need more contacts between the teachers and the students. Uh, more, it's not just sitting down there, uh, you know, with an exam paper, you know, uh, with a big class with an exam paper. We cannot do it that way if we were to use, uh, if, if we can get to involve with AIs, particularly in ChatGPT. I, I mentioned about prompt. You have to, uh, the, 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 the students have to provide the right prompts. And, uh, and, the, and how to provide that right prompt it's a discussion between the teachers and the students. So this is more the face-to-face, face-to-face, you know, a one-to-small-end kind of teaching. So uh, it may not be, to, uh, big classes may not be very effective uh, in teaching uh, uh, AI in that sense. But is it really re- <coughs> realistic to expect um, the EDB to transform? I mean, as you said, there, there would be huge resource implications. No, yeah. So it's perhaps not realistic. That, uh, I mean, you, you can say uh, uh, students will benefit from small class sizes in, in any subject, in, in language tra- teaching and so on. But uh, the reality is that um, um, there's, there's limited amounts of money and that, um, uh, that that constrains class sizes to an extent. Yes, yes. I think, I think, I think if we want to do it uh, in, 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 uh, in a sort of a, a comprehensive and, uh, and, uh, and uh, effective way, I, I think I think small class teaching is preferable. Uh, yeah, so I think we are kind of uh, restrained by our limited resources. So uh, that's why I said that uh, uh, perhaps one can do is to is to um, have centers to try to share resources. Uh, that will actually solve a little of the problems. Right. So, so you also support uh, Professor Wong's suggestion to uh, set up more um, STEM centres around uh, different districts, Mr. Chu? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, uh, that's right. Um, uh, there are some STEM centres uh, established from ADB uh, in the recent year, and uh, Professor Wong's idea is more innovative because. Uh, if we want to want more uh, resources and more professional teachers to teach AI modules, so we need more 
uh, professional support. Uh, we need more um, high-level equipment and uh, robotics, uh, something like that, so that uh, our teachers can learn. And also the centre, if the centre, uh, the amount of centre are, um, are good enough, then uh, the teachers can also bring uh, students to the centre to practice, as I said, or many times uh, for AI learning. It is very essential to use more practical skills, practical tasks, so that uh, our students can have more time to uh, operate AI, writing some program or uh, using the robux to test whether uh, their the idea can work or not. So these involve a lot of uh, learning time. And also one more to add is um, the uh, teaching staff, the, the number of teaching staff uh, should be, uh, if possible, should be, uh, should be increased for teaching AI modules at school. Uh, some, uh, some schools, they may just use one teacher to teach uh, 30 students in one class, which uh, is the contact time of teacher and between teacher and students are not very enough. So some, some schools may use co-teaching practice, that means two teachers to teach in one class or split class, split it into uh, two small classes, but it these two methods also involve uh, resources from schools. So uh, I like um, Professor Wong's suggestion, if AI modules is getting more important in our daily life, so why don't we uh, allocate more resources to our school to, um, to implement it smoothly in our uh, curriculum? Right, Professor Wong, and uh, what do you think about uh, Mr. Chu's uh, suggestion uh, of having uh, smaller class sizes for um, teaching AI? I, I fully support that. That's by what I suggest. <laughs> I, I want small classes. I mean, uh, my, 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 my sort of uh, uh, kind of intermediate solution is that if you do not have each each school should not have have, have uh, enough teachers. Then uh, my intermediate solution is to share resources, to have the centres, and then uh, all, those, all the schools uh, can go to this centre, and then you know share teachings and share resources. Okay, let's let's have a look at some of the uh, sample questions, uh, sample assessment questions that the EDD has included in this uh, module, artificial intelligence uh, for junior secondary level. Where there's multiple choice and fill in the blanks, and then questions like um, list one example of how AI systems may raise ethical considerations, or another question: if a smart self-driving car was in an accident with a person on the road, who is morally responsible? Um, um, uh, Professor Wong, I know you said earlier that um, you can uh, um, you can still assess um, students even if they're using AI, but those are pretty simple questions. If you if you get that, if you're a student, you get a question like that, you can just feed it into ChatGPT and, and get an answer and use that. Surely, yeah. that's not the sort of uh, I think you were referring to um, uh, testing yeah. how students uh, design their own prompts. That's not the sort yeah. of thing we're seeing here, is it? Yep. Yep. I mean, if if if, if, if eventually. <laughs> The, uh, the evaluation part or the assessment part, student assessment part, were based on these MCs of in the blanks. That's then kind of pointless, I think isn't it? It's, it's lost the purpose of it. I mean, if, if it were only, okay, then it would lose the purpose of it. I really, uh, the, the AI as a knowledge, as a tool, um, I think we should, we, should, we should teach the teach the students how to deploy them effectively, how to use them to effectively, not just multiple choice. I mean, 
I, I, I don't think that works. Maybe you can expand a little bit more on how you suggested designing a meaningful assessment in, in AI that actually can't, it's not something that uh, can just be, the answer can be got from AI itself without any, without any skill. How, how would you set about it? I, I mentioned one example already uh, with non-scientific uh, courses, for example, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, co comparative and an analytic. So uh, you, you ask the students to do uh, different, using different prompts, come up with different answers, and that the teachers are there to help the students to analyze. Okay, uh, so uh, I, do, I think we do that as well. I mean, if, if, if sometimes when we do about comparative literature, you know, for the same subject or the same idea with two different authors and then we look at their compositions we look at their articles and then and then find out why that they, they write the articles in that way and for exa another example uh, for example uh, for, the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the for the same thing um, uh, when you are coming from uh, with a different mood for example you're very happy or you're very, you're very sad the way that you write the same article are differently so these are the things that we can teach for example, but that, again, that leads to a lot of personal contacts. The teachers and the students have to be closely discussing about these articles. Uh, scientifically, uh, it's, it's, it's the same. I mean, this, the solution, uh, the, the implementation part itself is important, but more important is the part before it. It's the planning part. It's the analysis part. It's the problem definition part. That's very important. And this problem definition part, the most effective way to do that is to integrate with the, uh, the 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 school itself, the the the, uh, the curriculum of the school itself, doing some cross-disciplinary uh, uh, integration. So, so what I mean is that, for example, I'm a school who is very good in uh, in sport. For example, I mean, uh, it would be more constructive or more effective if I were listing out questions or problems in sport, because I have the knowledge in sport. And I know the problems in sport, and therefore it's more effective. Right, and let's go, let's go back to uh, Mr. Chu. Um, mm -hmm. Mr. Chu, um, from your experience uh, with uh, students at your school, um, what do you think of their knowledge about AI right now? Uh, from my school, um, not much, but uh, from my uh, experience on the current schools in Hong Kong, it really depends on... Um, different schools policy uh, some schools they may for example the more these three booklets are adopted uh, from the um, UHK and if some schools they join the UHK's AI project they may develop their own curriculum in the junior form but some of them may not start uh, the curriculum yet AI more curriculum yet so uh, it really diverse in our uh, Hong Kong school. So I think uh, that's why uh, EDB, they developed the uh, standardized curriculum and suggest all the schools at Hong Kong to implement it in a junior form. Right. What about what teachers? What, what, how, 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 I mean, how well, <laughs> how familiar are they with AI? Uh, I, I don't think all of us are very familiar and uh, we have the may not have the professional knowledge on AI as it is a very latest technology and most teachers uh, they may may not uh, learn in their um, university so that's why uh, I always we always suggest EDB should provide enough professional training workshops seminar 
to uh, to describe uh, the AI the curriculum, how 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 it works, and how to implement it in the uh, in our school. And most importantly, it is about the teaching strategy, how to use the curriculum and the booklets well in our uh, in our school. So it is quite important that the EDB need to develop it as soon as possible because uh, the curriculum will be implemented in the coming school year. So during the summertime, it is an essential moment uh, to uh, launch some pilot uh, training to to the teachers. And do you think some teachers will worry that AI will take away their jobs, Mr. Chu? <laughs> well, I don't think a good so. Question. That's a very good question. I, I, that is a question should not be asked. I mean, uh, <laughs> because when you look at when GDP comes in, you know, all the, not just the teachers, but everyone is jumping up and down, worrying about what this thing is, whether I, my job will be replaced. But, but that's, that's live. I mean, new technology comes in all the time. I think a more important issue is that how, how receptive are we to new technology? Well, be it. When new, when new technology comes, it comes. Then we should know how to uh, 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 learn, adopt, use it effectively. That's what we have to do. It's not just about AI and ChatGPT. It's in, even in the future, there will be new technology coming in. All so right. uh, what All about right. our system? How do we adopt that? All right, Professor Wong, let's take a quick break for the news and uh, continue our discussion afterwards when uh, we will be joined by IT sector lawmaker Duncan Chu. Um, now, if you're tuning in and you want to ask our guests questions or share your views on today's topics, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RCHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rchk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And here's a quick look at the weather. Hot with sunny intervals and a few showers, isolated thunderstorms later. The uh, top temperature will be around 32 degrees in the urban areas. Winds moderate east to southeasterlies. Right now it's 29 degrees, relative humidity 83%. It's now 9.30 with news summary. Here's Vicky Wong. The Undersecretary for Commerce and Economic Development said an inspection trip to China's interior provinces highlights Hong Kong's role in promoting the Belt and Road Initiative. Bernard Chan is among some 70 delegates, including business leaders and consuls general in the SAR, visiting four cities in Henan and Shanxi to witness firsthand the achievements of the mega-infrastructure project over the past decade. The U.S. Coast Guard says presumed human remains have been recovered from the wreckage of the Titan submersible that imploded on a voyage to the Titanic earlier this month. All five passengers on board were killed. Medical officials will analyse the remains. And French police have arrested 11 people in another night of protest in the suburb of Paris where a teenage boy was shot dead by a police officer. Cars have again been set ablaze in Nanterre and fireworks aimed at officers with disturbances also reported in other cities. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Brain, heart, lungs, liver, stomach. There are two more major organs at the back. Kidneys are low-key by nature. One in ten people suffer from kidney disease to varying degrees. Those with diabetes or high blood pressure or with family or past history of kidney disease are more at risk. It can be completely asymptomatic in the early stage. Regular checkups can help detect kidney disease early to avoid kidney failure. Let's care more about the kidneys for better kidney health. With early diagnosis of HIV infection followed by adhering to treatment, the HIV can be suppressed and sustained at an undetectable level. 
the chances of transmitting HIV through sexual intercourse will be negligible, and using a condom will make it extra safe. In fact, HIV patients can also live normal lives and have healthy uninfected babies. Learn more at aidscare.com.hk. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Danny Gittings and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the program is Chu Kang Tim, the chairman of the Hong Kong Association for Computer Education and vice principal of Hong Kong True Light College. And uh, also on the line is uh, Professor William Wong, associate dean of engineering at the Chinese University. He's also the director of the university's center for innovation and technology. And uh, also on the line now we have IT sector lawmaker Duncan Chu. Good morning. Morning, Mr. Chu. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so, I mean, before the news, we talked about. Uh, I mean, there were some suggestions um, by uh, our guest, Mr. Chu, and also uh, Professor William Wong about uh, the setting up of more STEM centres around Hong Kong to h- offer support to uh, teachers uh, in uh, carrying out uh, this uh, new AI curriculum. What's your thoughts on this uh, new AI module? I think this is a good start. I mean, um, we really need the students to, uh, to be knowledgeable about the AI development and some of the coding basics, as, uh, as long as some of the STEAM idea. Uh, I think I always said that um, you know the um, learning of computer skills, computing skills, is as important as language. So maybe some of the basic courses we have to learn in future, apart uh, alongside with uh, Chinese English, will be some of the computing skills because no matter which. Sector you're working in in future, you need to be equipped with some uh, computer skill. So this time, I think I'm happy to see we have these uh, AI curriculum uh, finally launch. And um, I've been looking at some of the, the module and curriculum. I think it's quite complete um, from the beginning of AI uh, basics, ethics to um, the use of computer vision, etc., and also some of the uh, development work um, um, that would be taught to uh, students. So I think this is a, a, a good move, and um, I really uh, support these uh, initiatives. Now, this, as far as I understand it, this is uh, this is optional. The EDB's released it, um, and schools can adopt it if they want. Um, uh, do, do you think uh, do you think teaching on AI should be made compulsory by the EDB? Uh, for me, yeah, I, I think it has to be. Uh, let's not say AI, but I think. Um, theme uh, uh, curriculum, I always promote that to be uh, compulsory. And um, as we know, in the UK a few years back, uh, some of the region, they already have coding as a uh, compulsory uh, learning pro- uh, learning curriculum. So I, I support, um, you know, tech uh, being some part of um, uh, compulsory uh, uh, curriculum, including AI as part of it. Does that mean that so, it should so I, be... I want to add a little Sorry. bit on that. I yes, mean, uh, obviously, the coding thing is important, but, but don't just uh, be misled by the word coding. Uh, we're talking about computational thinking, because when you start to learn coding, you also learn about logic. Uh, I, think, I think that's important as well. Um, and uh, if it's going to be compulsory, does that mean in the future that there should be a separate DSE subject on it or something like that? Mm, I think um, the AI modules... The AI knowledge will be incorporated into the uh, senior form. We have another subject called uh, Information and Communication Technology, ICT. And uh, it will be covered in the... Um, I, I, at this moment, AI is not a very uh, a huge or big part in the ICT curriculum. But I'm, I think after the AI modules now, they, they launch and 
EDB may start to uh, putting more AI knowledge and skills into the senior form. No, but I, 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 think, yes, I, think, uh, I also think that, uh, I mean, if, if you separate that thing out, uh, then it would be for the, uh, the advocates, you know, for the, the people who are really specialized in that. But if you want to do it in a comprehensive way, I think it is necessary. But what level? This actually come, bring in another problem. Uh, is the, uh, the structural objectives from the G, uh, EDB, is there, are there different levels? And what are the basic levels that people should know? What is the medium level? What is the advanced level? I think uh, th- these, these objectives should be well-defined. Like, let's go back to the comprehensive one, the, the basic levels. How about, how about our general education, or used to be called general education? What about at that layer? How, how, can we integrate some form of, uh, of uh, AI-related things in it? Let's, for example, a very, very basic thing. How about we're talking about uh, data analysis, big data, which is the key engine behind AI. We don't even know about statistics. This is which are the basic things. So how, I mean, if we do a general maths in our maths uh, curriculum now, uh, we do not actually touch on uh, uh, statistics and probability, but they are, they are important things. All right. If you I, want to know about AI. All right. I have an email here from uh, David, and he's talking about something that uh, we were talking about before the news, which is uh, um, as suggested by Mr. Chu and also Professor Wong. Um, small classes, basically. He, you, you suggested that small classes are better for AI teaching. And here, uh, one of our listeners, David, he says small classes are great. But then uh, he goes on to say that uh, he's worried that uh, there's not going to be enough time in the school day, which means students, he says, students I have will have to go for more extra tutorials, which will cost more money and time and expense for the parents. And uh, that email is from David. I also have another email here from Mike, and he's uh, saying that uh, nobody is uh, talking about the dangers of AI. And uh, when it turns bad, you aren't going to get control back without some power, powerful programming and fail safe. And uh, that's uh, from Mike. So uh, maybe let's go to Mr. Chu first. Um, what do you think of uh, what David was saying? Small classes are great, but uh, it may end up costing parents more. And is there enough time during the school day? Yeah, I know that the school curriculum is quite packed, but I, I think incorporating, uh, like uh, Mr. Chu said, incorporating in the ICT, uh, in the senior uh, classes of secondary school, that, that should be part of the curriculum. And for junior, I think this is now um, a know-how of the ethics uh, of, the, of the AI program. Uh, I think this is now what you're doing in some of the optional classes already. So I think that would be something if we uh, rank AI as the importance, as we mentioned, I think that should be uh, included in some part. Um, but I've been mean, talking about the second question, saying a lot of people raised about the uh, threat of AI. That's why in the program, I think we have to understand it a bit more before we whether identify it as a threat or as a tool being used by humans that will enhance our efficiency, which is actually, I think, most developers will agree. So I, I guess um, the know-how of AI as a, as a basic learning uh, uh, curriculum is important for most students. Now, this EDB module is for on artificial intelligence is for junior secondary level, and so far we've been talking entirely about secondary schools. But um, how about primary school? I mean, primary schools uh, they already have STEM education. Um, um, sh- what way should our AI be introduced in primary schools, and at what grade should you be exposing students at P one to AI, or is that too early? 
Oh, you're asking the, 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 uh, the same questions that I'm asking. I mean, it seems that uh, we have no directions at all. I mean, what are the objectives? Yeah. At which level should be? What is the uh, uh, the students? You know, what kind of things that they should learn? Learn what kind of uh, sort of learning objectives should there be in different levels? I think that should be clearly stated as well. Yeah, I agree with uh, yeah. Professor Wong. I think in the primary school, we have a program introduced by ITIB with um, uh, some funding grant to these primary schools to do STEM-related projects. And um, I think I did raise in Nashville that, um, according to my studies, there were more than 400 different um, programs being taught mm-hmm. at primary level. And um, this is a good thing, you know, letting the primary students understand a bit more about STEM. And um, the problem is, you know, it just got a bit here everywhere. And um, because it's really broad and some of the students may be well equipped and some of be just learn some really, really basic stuff or some, some even maybe sort of like a, a play workshop, uh, etc. So I think even for the primary level, I, I suggest we have to streamline to, let's say, fewer number of programs the focus on particular uh, tech sector, uh, tech, tech uh, curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the, what EDB initiated before, uh, for secondary junior, uh, junior secondary school, it is about AI module, but for prim- upper primary level, they also initiate the, com- um, the enriched module on coding education. Uh, it implies that for primary schools, EDB or most likely for most teachers, we think that coding education and also what Professor Wong said, the computational thinking are more important than uh, just teaching AI for primary students. But also what uh, uh, Mr. Chiu said, uh, we can also use other funding to develop some AI extra activity for extension because we can use it for, uh, for gifted students or find out some students they are very talented in AI uh, education in primary school. Right. And uh, Mr. Chu, um, I know your association um, offers training courses um, Mm -hmm. for for teachers. I mean, how's that going? I mean, have there been more schools applying for this? I mean, what's going to happen during summer, for example? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, I think the program we we started two years ago that um, we, we partner uh, with uh, another NGO that we do the um, um, some work with the uh, secondary school teachers and um, teaching them with some of the AI, let's say drone control skills, etc. So we did um, uh, uh, a number of schools, and um, going forward, we, we are looking um, to see how we continue the program. But we did uh, already uh, uh, close to 60, 70 schools, as I remember, and um, many teachers. So the, I think. Uh, going forward, the EDB will also do an assessment, that's what I know, uh, on the uh, teachers, uh, whether they are well-equipped uh, uh, with the knowledge of teaching AI, etc. So I guess we have to see uh, how the uh, bureau side uh, established this work about um, well, uh, better equip the teachers with uh, AI capabilities, teaching capabilities, and then we will see how we uh, adjust our program. Right. So will teachers have to take an exam before they can teach this uh, new AI curriculum? I think it's an assessment that they said. Okay. So um, of course, ChatGPT is not officially available in Hong Kong. I mean, there are various ways of accessing it, but officially uh, the, uh, the company behind it has restricted it from access to Hong Kong. And there's been talk about maybe some other chat uh, online uh, chat, uh, AI engines would not be made av- available in Hong Kong. Um, uh, Duncan Chu, is, is this a concern that uh, there, there might be some aspects of AI that we're actually sealed off from in Hong Kong? 
I think for now there are other options we can choose from. You know, there there are uh, other apps that you know they have certain um, agreement with the OpenAI, and that they are offering different version of um, OpenAI uh, modules in Hong Kong, uh, and even some are particularly focused for education. So um, I believe we we should be okay. And I guess um, I, I, I've been saying that you can see in the news. I mean, the investments into AI starting this year with the introduction of ChatGPT is more than quadruple. It's like more ten times more investments, let's say in in China alone, uh, into investing into different team of AI. So I guess just wait and see six months and a year. I, I guess there will be a lot more AI related uh, modules or applications being developed, and um, we will see whether there will be other options. We've seen quite a few options in China, aren't we? But uh, how about in Hong Kong? Do you think anybody's actually going to develop a, um, a sort of a, a model that we can use in, in locally in Hong Kong, or we can have to rely on China and overseas? I think I, I, think, I, think, I think there's some research work on that. I think, I think it is essential as well because uh, uh, because it's all about data, and then and the the, the data uh, if it were just uh, based on uh, you know so, sort of Western knowledge or Western culture, it may not be good. Uh, for us, so usually in, in different places in different economies, they would develop their own kind of ChatGPT, a la ChatGPT tools, uh, because they do really need local information. I think uh, uh, I suggest the government should do it in any case. But we do for research purpose uh, in the university. I know people are doing working on that. All right, thank you, uh, Professor Wong. What about uh, you, uh, Mr. Chu? Was your were your thoughts on that? Uh, I support Professor Wong's uh, stance. I think we should uh, develop our own version. And also, the, we, we all know the data uh, uh, being used will somehow, you know, um, um, direct the uh, answer of the AI module. So, um, you know, whether we, uh, how do we deal with the uh, data bias issue is also one thing. So um, I think every place is, um, should look at um, or put some resources into some regional or local versions. And um, apart from building the uh, big uh, pre-trained model, there's a lot of people also doing the post-trained model where they do a vertical sector use of ChatGPT, let's say in health data, I know someone is doing it in Hong Kong. So on this vertical LLM, uh, large, large language model, we, we also have um, uh, teams in Hong Kong working on it. You know, it sounds like you're saying that we should use a variety. We should use a variety of different models and perhaps compare them. We want some from the West, some from China, and some locally grown. Is that correct, Mr. Chu? Right. And I mean, so far we talked about this uh, AI module that's uh, for junior secondary students, and we also talked about training for teachers. Um, what about training for parents, uh, Mr. Chu? Do you think that uh, that would be a good idea? I think, let's, let's say not just training for parents, but training for public <laughs> is, uh, is another mission I think we should do also for government. I think the, the, the question you just raised, I, I, we, I think we, Professor Wong and, and me, we received that a lot, that, you know, whether AI will, you know, sort of, destroy human race or that kind of thing. I think different people have different um, views, you know. I mean, even Elon Musk, he, 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 he signaled the, the risk of uh, AI. But but so far, I, I mean, from, from my knowledge, I, I, I guess um, it, it's more a tool and something that we can use to enhance our, our efficiency and capability and, um, more than a threat for now. So I think we should, we should definitely embrace it and see, you know, what... Um, teams we can bring on to Hong Kong and, uh, you know, expand the sector in Hong Kong. 
Do you think that in a year or two, we, I mean, on, on RTHK, we're often playing what these are called uh, APIs, um, announcements of public in, in, in interest, that um, information, we'll, we'll be hearing APIs about how to use artificial intelligence and just try and encourage people to think about it in their daily work. Mr. Chu? Yeah, I think I already had quite a lot of um, API or middleware uh, for AI. So sort of there's some of the thing I think for us as a legislator, one thing we have to also closely monitor is tech development. So some of the thing that we already uh, raised as an issue uh, was the AI development, hey, say for the um, ethnic issue, you know, the uh, bias issue, the privacy issue, some of the companies you see in, in Korea, Samsung banned a uh, colleague from using uh, AI because they, they, the leak of a privacy concern. But some of these has already been solved by some middleware. We're seeing that, you know, some application uh, below the uh, 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 generative AI model, they can filter the privacy uh, and they, they, they prevent the storing of data issue uh, from open AI. So the technology is advancing. So some of the problem concerns that we might have uh, previously, a few months ago, are already um, solved by the um, technology advancement. So, the, um, you know, in terms for us, we have to wonder, you know, the timing for legislations and, you know, to, 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 to advise the government, you know, what to legislate. And I think that also um, is, a, is a fluid situation. We have to see how the technology development uh, goes. And then, you know, uh, we have to see how we complement in the legislation side uh, to protect the uh, development of AI and yet uh, give it a, a, a ground to grow. All right, so Mr. Chu, uh, we have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's our IT sector lawmaker, Duncan Chu. Many thanks also to Professor William Wong, Associate Dean of Engineering at the Chinese University. He's also the Director of the University's Center for Innovation and Technology. Also many thanks to Chu Ka Tim, the Chairman of the Hong Kong Association for Compute. Comput- Future Education and Vice Principal of Hong Kong True Light College. It's now 9.49 and uh, in a moment we'll look at the dangers of cannabidiol or CBD candies for kids after two young kids were hospitalised this week after eating some inadvertently. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Gilly of Consumer Council. Happy birthday, RTHK, for your 95th anniversary. May I wish you always filled with positive energy, continue to discover and report accurate, impartial and objective consumer news for consumers to shop smartly every day. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay, tuned Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88266 and have your say. Now, two young girls aged two and four were hospitalized this week after consuming candies that contained prohibited cannabidiol or CBD. Initial investigations suggest that the girls aren't accidentally fed them the candies. To comment on this, we're joined on the line now by pediatrician Alvin Chan. Good morning, Dr. Chan. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, So how dangerous is cannabidiol or CBD products for children? Well, it is dangerous because it can cause intoxication. And in um, America, when it's uh, legalized, you know, uh, there have been more uh, reports of um, poisoning due to edible cannabis uh, in children. They could cause uh, vomiting, agitation, confusion, and even uh, coma or seizures. So, of course, um, most people would think that um, 
cannabis uh, uh, is a mild thing, not really that um, toxic, but that perhaps in adults, but in children, because of the small size of the bodies and also because they have different actions in children's body, so it could be dangerous and could cost life as well. And these girls were unconscious for, I mean, they're, they're no longer unconscious, but they were unconscious for several days, weren't they? So it just shows how, how serious the effect can be. Exactly. Uh, in fact, um, they were in critical condition for a few days because uh, the, the neurotoxicity is severe. Uh, that is, the uh, toxicity uh, is centered in the brain. That caused uh, the confusion, and um, uh, I don't know whether they had seizures or not, but some of them could develop uh, convulsions and uh, have uh, slow breathing because of the respiratory suppression. And um, so it's dangerous because uh, when the child could not breathe, of course, it could be um, causing mortality, and also because they had vomiting, and uh, they are unconscious, then they could have uh, choking. Uh, the aspirations could also um, cause death and asphyxia. And also they could cause uh, myocarditis, cardiomyopathy, or even cardiac arrest in uh, overseas literature. So, um, so it's lucky this time that they had uh, seemed to be uh, recovering. And of course, uh, in this case, we don't know how many candies or how many CBD candies the kids uh, ate. Uh, do you think it's likely um, that it will have any long-term impact on, on the kids, or would it just uh, possibly, or, or would it possibly cause any permanent damage? Uh, this is possible, but of course, we don't have the data of um, uh, a scientific uh, survey of those uh, children suffering from severe um, uh, toxicity uh, with coma or with um, the neurotoxicity, um, uh, we had not got the, the data that give us um, a sign to the prognosis of these children to this severity. But then, of course, um, because of its effect on the uh, nerves and the brain and also in the heart, we have to follow up these children uh, for a long time to see whether there are a long-term uh, severity uh, in the complications and um, the after effects. But I think um, because of the experience in other uh, drugs, say uh, ketamine and other uh, poisons, then um, there are clearly in uh, long-term complications of these uh, intoxications. Um, and, and I'm worried that uh, for these two children, uh, because they had uh, demonstrated severity in their intoxication, we must uh, be uh, vigilant in following up these children. All right, and uh, we, we have a caller on the line, um, and it's uh, Mike. Good morning, Mike. Hi, I'd just like to ask the doctor, what would happen if these young children took an overdose of paracetamol? Right. Uh, it uh, depends on the dosage uh, of paracetamol that they had taken. If they had taken um, um, a little more only, say uh, twice or three times or even four times of the dosage of paracetamol. Yes, uh, we know. Yeah, we know, we know that. Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm seeing that Hong Kong has um, demonized CBDs. And with a little knowledge, the CBD isn't the... Um, isn't the uh, uh, doesn't have the toxicity of the THC. It's not it, and I think it's 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 just because it is a derivative from a, 
from a, a demonized product that um, that they've got yes. this knee-jerk, knee-jerk reaction. I, I understand your point. In fact, we had used um, the uh, related products in medical use uh, all over the world. That is in treating uh, epilepsy, in seizures, and in um, some of the uh, neurological diseases. But however, it must be in the restricted therapeutic dosage. So if it is like, um, say, in candies, they are um, hidden in the candies. They could be swallowed in excessive amounts. And that is a problem that could um, really hurt the children. Ingesting uh, the tablets sweet and uh, very attractive. And uh, I think that's why it must be controlled. Yeah, uh, otherwise, doctor, it could be it, ingested in excessive amounts. That could demonstrate. Yes, all right, uh, uh, all right uh, Mike, maybe just one final question because we are okay. running out of time. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, our, our government has eliminated it from... From, from being used in Hong Kong altogether, even under uh, doctor supervision. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, give uh, Dr. Chan a, a chance to answer. And uh, thank you for your call, Mike. Dr. Chan? Yes, I, yeah, I understand. And this has been um, considered in the medical community. And also, I think most important is that it has been, if it had been discussed uh, thoroughly in the uh, Legislative Council, then they have made the decision. Then, of course, if we have uh, different opinions, uh, then if it could be used in the medical community, then at least it is not totally banned or forbidden. But then if uh, this is a legal system in Hong Kong, even in America or in Canada, they are uh, legalized, but then they do provide uh, warnings to warn against uh, overdose or intoxication. I think that would be a responsible uh, action. So right. it depends on the discussion in the Legislative Council yes, and, whether and, to legalize it or not. Yes, and uh, just a reminder that uh, cannabidiol products, uh, they, they are banned in Hong Kong uh, under the Dangerous Drugs Ordinance and uh, any person trafficking and selling the drug could be sentenced to life imprisonment and uh, fined $5 million and also possession and consumption of this uh, kind of substance will also be subject to up to seven years behind bars and a $1 million fine and that's uh, just a reminder. Mm. But of course, um, I mean, this case we're talking about, it's uh, related to uh, CBD candies. But uh, when you think about it, it, it can happen with other household medication, like uh, what Mike was talking about, paracetamol, or, or other medication that uh, might look like candies to uh, children. So, uh, Dr. Chen, uh, what advice do you have for parents? Well, I would think that uh, we are in Hong Kong with this legal system. And, uh, of course, we could have uh, our views and we could express it to the uh, government and the legalist. Uh, legal, uh, legislative council, um, but then it could cost lives, and that's why we were careful. And uh, I think in the past, even there were people who trespassed uh, this law, and perhaps like they had grown uh, in their home uh, backyard, and nobody had been. Yes, Dr. Um, Chan. I'm just. Or, Dr. Chen, just very exactly. finally, just just finally, um, what advice do you have for parents who who are keeping maybe medication at home? I mean, how can they make sure that kids don't uh, take it by accident? I, I think briefly. they must keep the uh, medicine that is lawful, uh, and uh, if they really have such medicine that work for them, they had used them in Canada and USA for some time, and they still need them, they have to lock them up 
in boxes that were inaccessible to All children. Right. All right, great advice. Thank you for joining us this morning. That's a pediatrician, Alvin Chan. Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today or even called in. And also to our guest presenter, Danny Gittings and producer Raphael. I'll be back with another edition of Back Chat tomorrow with Paul Zimmerman.